you've survived another week. Thank you for listening, downloading, and subscribing to the Urban Shooter Podcast. This is episode number 322. Featuring Charlton Heston, Natalie Foster, Barbara Baird, and your friend and brother from another mother, Pastor Ken Blanchard. All this and a whole lot more coming up next. Where? Right over there. Second table from the left. See? I see a black man with a gun. Oh, it's all good. That's the Urban Shooter. He's an advocate for self-defense, legal gun ownership, and personal responsibility. Excuse me while I whip this out. It's the Urban Shooter, able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. Well, not every time. You're locked on to the Urban Shooter Broadcast. Ken Blanchard founded the 10th Cavalry Gun Club, a national pro-gun organization for African Americans, and works around the country to promote safe and responsible firearms ownership. Ken was involved in concealed firearms carry reforms in Texas, South Carolina, Michigan, and Wisconsin, and testified in the U.S. Congress against bills or acts designed to prevent law-abiding Americans from legal firearm ownership or concealed carry. Ken Blanchard has been featured on radio and television shows across the United States and Europe, as well as documentaries and movies. Ken has also been featured in the Wall Street Journal, the Washington Post, and now the urban shooter himself, Ken Blanchard. All right, you're listening to the pro-gun variety show known as the Urban Shooter. It's a little bit of news, product reviews, interviews. It's a little bit of everything. Mostly positive energy to get you through another week. So glad you decided to join me, and we're going to get on with episode number 322 right about now. Getting back to school, getting back to school, I remember a teacher that I had. Now, I only, I went, I went through the seventh grade. I went to the seventh grade. I left home when I was 10 years old because I was hungry. And I used to, this is, this is true. I work in the summer, I go to school in the winter. But I had this one teacher, he was the principal of the Harrison School in Vincennes, Indiana. To me, this was the greatest teacher, a real sage of, of my time, anyhow. He had such wisdom. And we were all reciting the Pledge of Allegiance one day. And he walked over, this little old teacher, Mr. Laswell was his name. Mr. Laswell, and he says, uh, <clears throat> he says, I've been listening to you boys and girls recite the Pledge of Allegiance all semester, and it seems as though it's becoming monotonous to you. If I may, may I recite it and try to explain to you the meaning of each word. I, me, an individual, a committee of one, pledge, dedicate all of my worldly goods to give without self-pity, allegiance, my love and my devotion to the flag, our standard, O glory, a symbol of freedom, wherever she waves, there's respect because your loyalty has given her a dignity that shouts freedom is everybody's job united that means that we have all come together states 
individual communities that have united into 48 great states. 48 individual communities with pride and dignity and purpose. All divided with imaginary boundaries, yet united to a common purpose. And that's love for country. And to the republic, republic. A state in which sovereign power is invested in representative chosen by the people to govern. And government is the people. And it's from the people to the leaders, not from the leaders to the people, for which it stands. One nation, one nation, meaning so blessed by God, indivisible, incapable of being divided, with liberty, which is freedom, the right of power to live one's own life, without threats, fear, or some sort of retaliation. And justice, the principle or qualities of dealing fairly with others. For all, for all, which means, boys and girls, it's as much your country as it is mine. And now, boys and girls, let me hear you recite the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Since I was a small boy, two states have been added to our country and two words have been added to the Pledge of Allegiance under God. Wouldn't it be a pity if someone said that is a prayer and that would be eliminated from schools too? All right, I always try to take you back to keep you straight. That's what uh, old folks do, you know. Give you a little of that stuff, a little inspiration, a little encouragement. Patch you up, send you back out in the field. That's what this show is about. Winning the hearts and minds, the cultural war, that you don't deviate from the plan, that you stay true to the red, white, and the blue. Got a call from Al Jazeera Network this week. They were interested in last week's podcast, which messed me up. It's like, what? Yeah, blacks in the NRA, they were like, shut your mouth. But hey, that's what happened. I gave this guy about 15 minutes of some compelling testimony. And he was like, oh, wow. I might have to get back with you. I was like, gotcha. Another convert. Amen. NBC Channel 4 called me about the uh, O'Malley gun ban, fingerprinting requirements, and that whole legislative piece. They're like, hey, you're going to be talking about it anytime soon. You're going to be testifying, protesting, making a fool of yourself out in public somewhere. We want to know. I said, no, not that I know of. I might go to Annapolis tomorrow, just hang out. Getting new uh, internet in my house because Comcast is just falling down. At first, I was was making out because everybody moved the files and I had Comcast. So the pipe went faster. You know, everybody left. My speed increased. But now, 
somebody done turned off the spigot. I got like third world internet service going on in here now. So it might be files actually. Got some henchmen down the street squeezing the pipe. I don't know. But they won. I need this stuff for my business. Because you my business. Did you know that? Did you know you my business? That's not good English. But that's that's straight truth. Got a lot of fear of failure. Gonna talk about that. And I got a little thing I call, it is what it is. And all of this stuff is to get you through this next week. If you need to contact me, my email address is blackmanwithagun at gmail.com. You can leave me a message, toll free, 888-675-0202. I'm still taking donations because that's how I keep things moving. Truth be told, still unemployed, but still working at the same time. Got the BlanchardChapel.us, new website. I finally, I think I got it. About to hit episode 50 on Friday the 17th and uh, might be over the cliff. Making them really short. Motivational, inspirational sermons. Never more than 10 minutes. A little bit of something every day to keep you going. BlanchardChapel.us. If you wondered, you should put some Christian stuff somewhere. Well, that's where it is. The Unnamed Church Podcast comes right out of the Blanchard Chapel. Found me a spot in North Beach, Maryland. Going to try to stake me a claim. I ain't got two pennies to rub together, but that's going to be my headquarters. Yeah. Always wanted to have a house on the beach. I will settle for an office space. Yeah, good enough. Plus, it's a little town that's sleepy and rent's cheap right now. So... If I can get maybe just two more sponsors, then bam, I'll actually have a real location. I hooked up with a guy. We're about to crank out some good videos. I got uh, I got a mess of videos in my computer that need to be put out to YouTube, and that'll be happening in the next few days. I got a lot of work. I actually got a contract for a book, Black Man with a Gun, Reloaded. It's about to hit. I hope I can finish it like I promised at the end of May. I'm about halfway through the bad boy, but it's still raw. I don't even want to share it with the publisher yet, but it's getting there. What is it? Life and times. It's uh, what I've been doing for the last 20 years. Yeah, all in one spot. Hope you like it. It's going to be the polished up version of the last one, edited professionally and with some insights that you won't get anywhere else. All right, this show is sponsored by CrossbreedHolsters.com and NovaArmament.com. Some of the nicest people I've ever met in my life work at both these locations. It's all a family thing. CrossbreedHolsters.com. They also have a new Crossbreed Firearms Academy that Justin's running. Check that out. CrossbreedFirearmsAcademy.com and NovaArmament.com. They are a tactical boutique in Hernan, Virginia. Tell him Ken sent you if you go by there. Makes Malcolm happy. Life is about choices. You can refuse to choose, and then the choices we made for you. But change is inevitable. I'm a Christian by conversion, and I'm Baptist by choice. I have made conscious decisions on which political party I will affiliate with. I have decided what kind of man I will be and still seeking to become him. You know, you'll be defined by what you do. 
You'll be remembered by what you say and how you lived and maybe where you and where you were when you died. I would like you to check yourself this week. Do like Socrates advised and to self-examine yourself. You know, I've tried to live fully. Some were as simple as walking barefoot on wet grass to enjoy the sensation. You ever done that? I advise it highly. And others were like when I rode my motorcycle across from California to Maryland with no regrets by myself. I'm in no competition with anyone and nothing except for time. And that's constant, ever progressing and never changes. You know, when the pallbearers take my body to the grave, I want to be smiling. I've outlived some poor decisions and I've learned from some experiences that some I won't even tell. But I'm wiser, but not yet at my full potential. I'm still learning and trying to hit that point where my gifts can support me financially. You know, everybody is born with gifts that if you utilize it, you can support yourself. Only problem is you don't get that user's manual when you're born. It's like being dumped a giant pile of a puzzle on a desk in front of you. It's up to you to make a picture out of it and make it work. You have to master it. But most of us don't master anything because we're still living somebody else's dream. Have you come to the point where you realize that keeping up with the Joneses is not only detrimental, it's demonstrative of the lack of individual goals. That is, you don't have any goals. You got to have your own direction, and that'll keep you from falling in the pit, following somebody else. Yeah, that's some heavy stuff, but I just popped into your brain. It is what it is. Life is what you make it. I'm at the stage of my life when I'm taking notice of what works and what doesn't. For example, if you married a rich hottie, a sexual dynamo, that you didn't have to chain to a radiator that liked to cook for you, take care of you, even wash your shorts, it'll mess you up. You know what happened? You'd get bored. You'd find fault with him or her. You'd lose your libido, suffer some health issue, or couldn't even enjoy what you had. Yeah, it is what it is. Or if you imagine or imagine to get that vehicle of your dreams, so I mean, ain't got to be sex, right? Whether it was a high-performance, high-dollar, or luxury car, I guarantee you as soon as you got it, you'd be disillusioned from it. You'd get sick of the insurance premiums, the parking worries, the worry about the theft, the police attention, or the maintenance required. It is what it is. Most of us are frustrated trying to keep up, and we're mad at our failures. We want to blame someone or something. We are in various stages of depression, actually. Some of us are so pissed off, we just cry. Now, this is just coming from a guy who's just been there and done that. And despite all of my accumulated knowledge, I'm still the Yoda underneath the Washington dryer of the Blanchard Estates. Couldn't go viral if I had the bubonic plague. But it is what it is. You get it. You understand. You're listening. So I'm just sharing, pausing for a moment to share with my friends. See, if I never get a chance to, to talk to you again, I did this time, this week. I got to impart some knowledge, some wisdom, some stuff to make you think. Think about tomorrow. Plan for future, but savor today. Your past is history. Live in the present because it is what it is. So what? You missed that mega millions by just six numbers. It is what it is. 
What if you're lower than a sea bottom in a Marianas Trench with your mortgage? It is what it is. What if you're self-employed and you hate your boss? It is what it is. Remember all that stuff you couldn't wait for? When we were kids, we couldn't wait to stay up all night. Man, we couldn't wait. We couldn't wait for our birthdays. We couldn't wait for summer break to happen, school to let out. We couldn't wait for Christmas. We couldn't wait to drive. We couldn't wait for sex, to vote, to drink, to graduate, to get out of the house, to be on our own. Now I got a question for you. Now what are you waiting for? Live. Enjoy. Don't wait for success. I say go ahead without it. Find something and someone to love. Find someone to share a story with and experience in your day. Because it is what it is. We get caught up in the stuff that doesn't really matter and we let it steal our time away. So, how are you spending the minutes of your life? Are you watching or playing? Because it is what it is. Thirteen years ago this month, I got the opportunity to meet Charlton Heston. Still, one of the best speakers I've ever had the opportunity to talk to. Now it was like a real conversation because I was about to get an award from the NRA for freedom. And we were on stage together. And he shared some private stuff with me that made me appreciate him as a person. Not everybody that's on television or in the movies is worth a damn. Some are just playing themselves, getting overpaid for it. And probably believe their own press clippings. Mr. Heston showed me a real guy that had gone through life, not only imitating historical figures, but learning from them as well. Yeah. First time I met him, I said I was receiving this award for my work in the urban community to explain and defend the right to keep and bear arms to an often hostile audience. NRA gave me, it was presented by Tanya Matoxa. She was Isla's chief at the time. Well, backstage, Mr. Heston looked like a man weathered by longevity, politics, and a past. It was cool watching this dude talk. I mean, I could hear all the characters that I loved. The Ben-Hur guy, the Moses, the El Cid guy. I mean, it just, it was like so many actors in this thing. The last was that, um, that movie, him, what's that movie? He was the uh, Omega Man. There's oh, so many. But like Clark Kent transforming into Superman, watching him when he left the stage, the, or backstage, went toward the camera, watching his figure change. I don't know if he memorized his lines or ad-libbed, but that dude, from just talking, could motivate you. The old dude was cool. I'm hoping that I can take some of that and take his place sometime in motivating my people, you, my friends, you. People in my circle that I can be the motivating old guy. So when people call about Ken Blanchard or Pastor Ken or Reverend Ken or the black man on the gun, they can say, yeah, that dude. I respect him a lot. 
not always politically correct, but he was truthful. He was passionate. Just like Charlton Heston. He'll be missed, but never forgotten. You know, when he became the president of the NRA and later became the most famous president that NRA ever had, his staff used to send out autographed Christmas cards from him to me. And I liked that a lot. So much that I used to send cards back to his home in California. I don't know whether his staff actually did it or not, but there was an autograph on that bad boy. You know, when he passed away in 2008, I cried like he was a relative. And few people get those kind of tears from me. Here is my friend. I remember my son, when he was five years old, explaining to his kindergarten class what his father did for a living. My daddy, he said, pretends to be people. (laughs) Fortunately, there have been quite a few of them. There were prophets from both the Old and the New Testaments, a couple of Christian saints, generals of various nationalities in different centuries, several kings, three American presidents, a French cardinal, and a couple of geniuses, including Michelangelo. It's been my good fortune, indeed my good fortune, to explore several great men who have made a difference, risen above the ordinary to change the course of human events. So as I pondered my visit here tonight, it struck me, if my creator gave me the gift to connect you with the hearts and minds of these great men, then I should use that same gift to reconnect you with something even more important, your own sense of individual purpose. When he dedicated the memorial at Gettysburg, Abraham Lincoln said this about those troubled, stirring times. We are now engaged in a great civil war, testing whether this nation, or any nation so conceived and so dedicated, can long endure. In many ways, those words ring true again. I believe that today, right here, now, we are again engaged in a great civil war. And this campus is one of many battlegrounds. The war I'm referring to is cultural rather than military. But there's something, something very vital at stake. Today, the battle is for your hearts and minds, for the freedom to think the way you choose to think, to follow that moral compass that points to what's right for you. Let, let me offer you an example. A couple of years ago, I was sworn in as the president of the National Rifle Association. I believe strongly in the Bill of Rights and this Second Amendment provision to keep and bear arms as one of those rights. I felt I could, thank you. I felt I could make a difference, that it was the right thing to do. And that's when the bombshells of the cultural war began to blow up all around me. To some, I went straight from Moses to the devil. To others, I fell from celluloid saint to cultural sinner. 
because I felt obligated to defend an individual freedom our Constitution protects. At first, at first I, I thought the issue was just about guns. Should law-abiding citizens be able to own them, as the Founding Fathers mandated, or should a Big Brother government be allowed to dismantle the Bill of Rights? Seemed simple to me. Simple enough, right? Well, since then I've learned that the gun debate is a lot more complicated than I'd thought. What I confronted when I became president of the NRA was an overwhelming Orwellian tyranny sweeping this country, a fanatic fervor of politically correct thought and language. Zealotry is not a pretty thing. It's ugly in the streets of Tel Aviv, where misguided young men strap bombs to their bodies and shatter not only mortar and steel, but also the lives of the innocent. We used to think we were above all that in this country. Then a federal building in Oklahoma City exploded, and we realized that the very same ugliness can smolder among us. More and more, more and more, we are fueled by anger, a fury, fed by those who profit from it. Democrats hate Republicans, gays hate straights, women hate men, liberals hate conservatives, vegetarians hate meat eaters, gun banners hate gun owners. Politicians, the media, even the entertainment industry is keenly aware that heated controversy wins votes, it snares ratings, and keeps the box office humming. They're all experts at dangling the bait, and Americans are eager to rise to it. Back in the midst of another troubled era, as a very young actor, I did something that was definitely not fashionable in Hollywood. I marched with Dr. Martin Luther King in 1963. It was long before it became fashionable in that strange city. It could have cost me my career. That was a time when black Americans couldn't even get a job as a union stagehand. Those of us in the civil rights movement battled the studios over this blatant discrimination, and we won, finally. Now, black actors and directors and writers are among the best in our business. I'm proud that some of us helped open those doors. Two years later, as president of the Screen Actors Guild, I walked behind Dr. King, leading the arts contingent in his march on Washington. My wife was not allowed to watch, walk in the front with us big dogs, but she walked beside an old black man with holes in his shoes. And she said afterwards, I bet I had more fun than you guys did. <laughs> it was a proud day. Now, you gotta fast forward 35 years. I recently told an audience that I felt that white pride is just as valid as black pride or red pride or whatever color of pride you want. For those words in that auditorium, I was called a racist. I've worked with brilliantly talented homosexuals all my career. But when I told another audience that gay rights should be given no greater consideration than your rights or my rights, I was called a homophobe. I served in World War II. If you saw Saving Private Ryan, you have some insight. 
into that part of our history, that savage conflict. But when I told an audience that I thought law-abiding gun owners were being singled out for cultural stereotyping, much as the Jews were under the Axis powers, I was branded an anti-Semite. Moses. <laughs> I love this country with all my heart. But when I challenged an audience to resist cultural persecution, I was compared to Timothy McVeigh. After a couple of years with the culturally correct crosshairs trained on my chest, I must admit it was a whole lot easier to be Moses. But I can say this, get involved with a politically unpopular cause and you'll quickly find out who your friends are. I've been blasted from Time Magazine to the Washington Post to the Today Show and the guy down the street. They say, look, that's enough, Chuck. It may be your opinion, but it's uh, not language authorized for public consumption. Well, if we'd been enamored with political correctness, we'd still be King George's boys. 1770. Seventeen seventy-six wasn't all that long ago. We've got plenty of good genes left to fire our passion for freedom. In his book, The End of Sanity, Martin Gross writes that blatantly irrational behavior is rapidly becoming established as the norm in almost every area of human endeavor. There seem to be new customs, new rules, new anti-intellectual theories regularly foisted on us from every direction. Underneath, this nation is roiling. Americans know something without a name is undermining the nation and turning the mind mushy when it comes to separating truth from falsehood and right from wrong, and they don't like it. Let's stroll around your own campus, just for a minute, and see if we can find a couple of examples. One that comes to mind is Freedom Magazine. Last year, I'm told, funding for this conservative campus publication was cut out entirely because some members of the student senate didn't care for its message. Didn't care for its message. Now, I don't know if the philosophy expressed on those pages was right or wrong, but it sure, Lord, deserves to be heard, don't you think? I thought that was, that was what college is all about, examining a diversity of ideas before you draw conclusions. I've always been told that on campus there's a push for more affirmative action in the admissions process. Well, I'm for affirmative action. I marched for it. I believe it starts in grammar school, survives the growing pains of high school, and reaches fruition during college entrance exams. And I also believe it should be color blind. I have fought against racism all my life. So why would I tolerate racism in reverse? Skin color litmus tests? That harkens back to carpetbaggers and reconstruction. I believe in a level, level playing fields. 
and the equality that comes with accomplishment. One standard for all, no more, no less. But we have to be careful here because telling us what to think has evolved into telling us what to say. So telling us what to do can't be very far behind. I argue passionately for the freedom to keep an open mind because in audiences like this one, I sense and see America's best and brightest. And it's true. Brandeis remains a fertile cradle of American academia and each of you are our the best hope we have for a productive, livable, spiritual future. But I submit that you and your counterparts in colleges from coast to coast also appear to be the most socially conformed and politically silenced generation since Concord Bridge. As long as you shrug your shoulders and abide it, then by the standards of your grandfathers, you are cultural cowards. If you talk about race, it doesn't make you a racist. If you see distinctions between the genders, that doesn't make you a sexist. If you think critically about a given denomination, it doesn't make you anti-religion. If you accept homosexuality but don't celebrate it, it doesn't make you a homophobe. A free people can use a new revolution every day. And I challenge you to resist the dogma of cultural and social stereotyping. I beg you, don't let America's universities serve as incubators for a rampant epidemic of this new brand of McCarthyism. Stand up. <laughs> Speak out. Follow your heart even if it goes against the conventional grain. Take heart in the fact that others have walked that same path. Jesus, Joan of Arc, Gandhi, Jefferson, Lincoln, Martin Luther King, Susan B. Anthony. I think the germ of disobedience is in our DNA. Who here doesn't feel a certain kinship with a rebellious spirit that tossed that tea into Boston Harbor? It's the same spirit that sent Thoreau to jail, that refused to sit in the back of the bus, that filled our streets with Vietnam War protesters. But let me warn you, it ain't easy. Dr. King stood on a lot of balconies. The police dogs in Montgomery were vicious. The water cannons in Selma were painful. They hurt a lot. Modern versions of the same weapons of oppression exist today. I appreciate your welcome. I appreciate the opinions of those who disagree with me. And I appreciate your courtesy in listening to me. And for all of you, do your best. Stick with it. Don't let the bad guys get away. I'm Rob Morse from the Slow Facts blog, and you're listening to the Urban Shooter podcast. I think everybody needs a pastor. Here's Ken Blanchard. I want to take your attention to the gunrightsmagazine.com. There are a couple of really good articles over there that came out just this past week, one from Rob Morse, contributor, about can you build a plastic gun? 
And Rob is, by all intents and purposes, very smart cat and gets into the weeds about the technical advantages and disadvantages, the truths and the myths behind 3D printing. More than you probably can get anywhere else. Check it out at gunrightsmagazine.com. And my main man, Dave Cole, talks about punching the clown. I like that because I remember that toy at Christmas time. Don't know what I'm talking about? Check out gunrightsmagazine.com. It's the Gunrights Magazine, the online magazine telling our story, sharing truth. It's our community blog. Want to be a writer? Submit yours today, your article. We'll put it up. Don't talk about it, be about it. Gunrightsmagazine.com. But you're saying, what's the deal with that golden years thing? Well, this morning I felt a little David Bowie. I did. Those golden years just kind of fit with the with the season, you know. Speaking of somebody golden, here's Barbara Baird from womensoutdoornews.com. Hey, Barbara. Hey, Urban Shooter. Wow. 2,000 miles later, one week later, I'm back at home, sitting in my basement office, listening to the birds outside. In fact, once in a while you might hear them. While on the road, though, I have to work, and I blog for Realtree News and NRA Woman's Outlook News, and this item came to my attention recently, where Forbes magazine reported that two new studies show that more people are purchasing firearms and that firearm-related homicides and suicides are plummeting. The U.S. Department of Justice and the Pew Research Center recently released findings regarding firearms. Now, here's the rundown from the Department of Justice's report, as quoted in Forbes. Some of the highlights. U.S. gun-related homicides dropped 39% over the course of 18 years. During that same period, non-fatal firearm crimes decreased even more, a whopping 69%. Firearm homicides declined from 1993 to 1999, then they rose through 2006, and then they declined again through 2011. Non-fatal firearm violence declined from 1993 through 2004, fluctuated in the mid to late 2000s. Guns were used in less than 10% of all non-fatal violent crimes. Between 70 and 80% of those firearm homicides involved a handgun, and 90% of non-fatal firearm victimizations were committed with a handgun. Males, African Americans, and persons aged 18 to 24, had the highest firearm homicide rates. Meanwhile, over in the Pew Report, which was compiled from analyzing the Bureau of Justice and Centers for Disease Control and Prevention Statistics, it also noted a significant drop in gun crime during the past 20 years. A 49% decline in the homicide rate, a 75% decline of non-fatal violent crime victimizations, more in, than 8 in 10 gun homicide victims in 2010, though, were men and boys. It's not really surprising, but it is still shocking to hear that. 55% of the homicide victims were African American. 
which is far beyond the 13% share of the population, isn't it? Now here's the kicker. Pew noted that although crime is down, the perception of gun crime is up, thanks to our media and its propensity to focus on gun crimes. According to Forbes, yet their survey found that 56% believed gun-related crime is higher, 26% believed it stayed about the same, and 6% didn't know. Only 12% of those polled thought gun-related crime was lower. So I guess we probably fall into that 12%. That means it's time to start talking. It's time to start to educate ourselves with facts, such as the ones above that you can find at Forbes magazine online, and to move forward armed with knowledge. If you want to read more about women who know a lot about guns, who love guns, who love to shoot, who love to hunt, and love to tell people about it, and you want to network with them, just check us out, womensoutdoornews.com. Thanks, Ken. Hey, you're welcome. And big shout out to all my overseas listeners. This is Jens from Germany, and you're listening to the Urban Shooter Podcast with my friend and brother, Ken Blanchett. You got it, Jens. Thanks, man. If you know failure is not final, You get wisdom when you retain what you learn from making mistakes or the mistakes of others if you're lucky enough to watch that and learn from it. When you've made a mistake, the learning experience just happens to stick better. You know, everything is relative. If you failed, what is the worst thing that could happen? If it's not death or serious bodily injury to yourself or another person, then it's probably survivable. What we dread the most is damage to our egos and pride. You got to learn how to ratchet that joker back down And the mistake usually isn't that bad. Why am I telling you this? Because I love you. Because you're listening to the Urban Shooter Podcast. Because you follow me on Facebook and Twitter. Because you're in my life. And sometimes it's more than just about the gun. It's about life. There's a reason why God teaches us to be humble. You know, you don't fall for such a high place when you're closer to the ground. Failure itself is relative. In business, you count the money. With your family, you count the amount of trust you have, as well as the finances and the love. In a career, it's often the amount of confidence others have in you or the potential they think you're worth. Again, it's your trust quotient, right? Well, fear of failure is one of the prime motivators for us not to move. We even have found acceptable ways to stall. Some people will overanalyze a problem, you know, paralysis of analysis. And talk yourself right out of doing it. Don't be like that. Don't be afraid to fail. Don't waste energy trying to cover up your failure either. Learn from it and go on to the next thing. It's okay to fail. Somebody by the name of H. Stanley Judd said, If you're not failing, you're not growing. Next up is a bright and shining star, Natalie Foster. And now, our featured presentation. Natalie, welcome to the Urban Shooter Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. The founder of GirlsGuysToGuns.com and new spokesperson for the NRA News. You are on fire, young lady. <laughs> you know, it is a really exciting season, and it's an honor to get to work with um, the good folks at at NRA and NRA News and NRA Women's and um, you know I'm I'm just uh, riding high at the moment. Really excited to be a part of all of it. Where can we find you? What's what's your best links? 
Okay, well, um, I started out, as you mentioned, at girlsguidetoguns.com. Started that a few years ago and, and um, since then have branched out just recently, actually. Started with um, working with the NRA in January, February, and you can find me over at nranews.com. Um, we're on, I'm underneath the commentators tab with um, the awesome Mr. Coleon Noir and the amazing Mr. Dom Rosso. And we, uh, all three of us get to share our thoughts and commentary on kind of the current climate um, politically and socially for firearms and, and for the firearms community. And that's been just a ton of fun and great to work with those guys. It's such an honor, especially to get to work with um, Dom, who is, you know, former Navy SEAL and has just, he's such an expert and it's, it's just a lot of fun. It's kind of a, a dream for me to get to work with somebody like him and Coleon is just a ton of fun and very, very good at what he does and so incredibly articulate. And I'm just, you know, such a warrior for our side. So nranews.com. And then the, um, the other role that I'm playing with the NRA right now is over at nrawomen.tv. And you can kind of see we're really trying to create a network for women um, just for resources and all sorts of instructional um, videos and gear and just really want to make women feel very comfortable because our numbers right now within the gun community are growing at unprecedented levels. So it's a really exciting time and we're really trying to give women a voice. Can't beat that. I'm I'm so happy to have you on the show. Um, you you bring me up a level. Oh gosh, no! You bring all of us up a level. I I am so grateful to be on the show. Ah, uh, thank you. You you do a lot more than just shoot. You actually design jewelry too, right? <laughs> I do. I do actually. I had um you know my background is actually in the film and entertainment um, world. I, I worked on a few movies and that kind of thing. I, I live in Los Angeles and, and then I took a break for a little while from, um, from the film world and did some styling and fashion. And I found I, that I wanted the two, my two passions, firearms and fashion nice. to, to have, uh, you know, a crossover. And there really wasn't anything out there that I really liked for me. And so, yeah, I just started creating gun jewelry. That's also on the site over at girls guide to guns. You'll find it under the, um, the jewelry tab. So yes, I hand make every piece. Oh, that is too cool. What's your favorite piece? Um, you know, probably the classic, the original, it's just my gold gun. It's a gold handgun. It's very sleek, simple, clean lines and, um, you know, not, not a lot of frills, but it's, Probably my favorite because A, it's the original, and B, because it's such a conversation starter. It's so funny because you can wear it, you know. I'm I'm constantly around hipsters and, mm. and you know, people who are very into fashion in Los Angeles. And it's such it's great because they actually really like it and um have lots of them have purchased it. And it's wonderful to just get that conversation about the Second Amendment started. You know, like they'll compliment me. I mean, I can't tell you how many conversations I've had at like Whole Foods with the cashier and you know the cashier will compliment the necklace and then uh, we'll start up a conversation about guns and the second amendment and then I'll find out that the cashier at Whole Foods has like five guns you know that's that's what's up (laughs) exactly (laughs) Is, is your logo a browning high power um you know it's kind of nebulous i keep it that way on purpose but it does definitely resemble a browning browning high power and i um have I use that one on purpose? Uh, it has some special significance for me and my dad. 
kind of a bonding thing. So, so while I don't exactly say that it's Browning High Power, there may be some symbolism in there for you. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. So your dad introduced you to firearms? He did, yeah. Um, kind of at my urging. I asked him to um, take me shooting because I, I just really wanted to connect with him. I wanted to just find a platform on which to really be – You know, I mean, I could connect with my mom and my sister on a lot of things, but I didn't really have a connection with my dad and my brother, like my brothers with something that they were passionate about and that we could like bond over. Mm -hmm. And I'd always wanted to learn how to shoot, you know, being originally a Texas girl. Like I said, I'm in L.A. now, but um, being originally from Texas, guns were just never... I, I never feared them. There was never any negativity surrounding guns. Obviously, we knew about safety and we knew what guns were capable of, but we always treated them with respect and no one ever got hurt. So um, so I never feared them, which is probably the biggest gift that my family could have given to me um, on that front. And then, yeah, it was. I was in my mid-20s and I asked my dad, I said, hey, will you take me to the range? And he did, and once once I squeezed that trigger on the handgun for the first time, man, I I was just absolutely hooked. It was so fun, and I felt so empowered, and I wanted to share it with all the other women that I knew because I felt like it was particularly important for women to get into it. And that's just more than just pistols. You actually shoot at the rifles too, don't you? I do, of course, yeah. Oh, I, I love it. Listen, anything with a trigger, I, I will definitely give it a go. I um, even, my gosh, I even started shooting bows recently, which is so much fun. But I know, right? um, I know it's so fun. I need to learn more about it. That's my next endeavor. But my hands are kind of full with everything right now, so so I'm putting that off until I I can focus on it. But um, but yeah, no, I am a handgun, concealed carry, shotgun, rifle. You know, I'll do bolt action. I'll do full auto, and I, of course, I love my my AR-15s. So let's talk about that. The AR-15. Don't you? You're working on something soon, right? I am. Yes, I am working on a project right now in association with Devil Dog Arms. They're actually out of Illinois. Bless their hearts for being so brave. I guess like Californians and and you know people in Illinois have to bond together in yes. our strong belief of our Second Amendment rights. You know about that, don't you, Ken? New Jersey and Maryland, all the places where they don't let you do anything. Yes, exactly. So we've all got to stick together. So Devil Dog Arms is out of um, Illinois. Uh, just outside of Chicago, actually. And they're this wonderful company that approached me about doing, uh, about collaborating on a line of AR 15s. And I was so excited to do that with them. They're, you know, it, it's all about, for me, largely, it's about the people behind the product. And I just love the guys at Devil Dog. They're just, they're really committed to women um, participating in the firearms community and also just being, you know, um, leaders in, um, for the Second Amendment. So I am collaborating with them on my own line with my own logo on the AR-15. And yeah, I'm really excited about it. So, so um, you know, and we, we're going to do a little something for couples or for daughters and dads where, you know, you can get a girl's guide AR-15 as well as a devil dog AR-15. And there, uh, and we're also going to eventually do a building class. I, I, um, my first AR-15, I was fortunate enough to build myself with, uh, some help from the good folks from Red Jacket on Sons of Guns on the Discovery Channel. Oh, yeah. So, 
Um, so that was a lot of fun. And I want to give other people that opportunity too. So we're going to be doing a building class. So there's a lot in the works. But for right now, we are uh, just focusing on on releasing the AR-15 with all the bells and whistles that I like on it. And, um, and that should be happening within the next month or so. When's your next big public appearance? I saw you and your brother at the NRA uh, function yeah. in Houston. When will you be available again? Oh gosh. Well, you know, um, actually I do, I do make appearances. So if anybody, uh, you know, has a specific request, please shoot me an email over at girls guide to guns. But, um, you know, right now I'm going to be working a lot in the studio, trying to crank out a whole bunch of videos and, um, we don't have anything set yet, but you know, last year I was able to do a range tour and it was a lot of fun and I got to go out and just meet so many folks and, and it just reaffirmed everything I know about America and that there are just so many wonderful people out there who are responsible, safe, educated, competent firearms owners and, um, you know, I can't wait to get out and do that again. I hope to do that uh, definitely within the within the next few months. Outstanding. Natalie, thank you so much for being a part of the show today. Thank you so much, Ken. I really appreciate you having me on. Uh, it's an honor, and thank you for being the leader that you are within the community. Ah, kind words that get you far. <laughs> <laughs> Natalie Foster from GirlsGuideToGuns.com. Thank you so much, Natalie. Thank you. All right, under the washer and the dryer of the Blanchard household, thank you for joining me again. You know, I feel a whole lot better than I did when I started off. I'm hoping you're doing all right this week better. You know, last week when I was at the uh, hospice and our cousin finally passed away and my son went down to North Carolina and gra- he graduated. He's a college grad now. And uh, life goes on, you know. I remember sitting in that room and there was this couple next to us separated by a divider. And she had been in a coma. She came through the last couple of days. And she called her husband over. And everybody was excited that she was out of her coma. She was actually talking. And she was like whispering. You could barely hear her. So everybody was like trying not to be nosy. But I mean, my ears were all up against the curtain trying to hear. She says, you know what? You've been with me, baby, through the bad times. Back when our business fell, you were still there. And you were there to support me and pick me up. And. When we lost our house, you were still there, always there, always by my side. When this cancer came, you were right there. And then I'm just sitting here thinking, you bring me bad luck. I almost fell out. I think I fell through the curtain, actually. But don't you fall through. If you fall, just get right back up. We all going to make it. Got it? Don't fear failing. All right. Special thanks to Natalie Foster, to Barbara Baird, and to you for joining me one more time. That's all.
Yeah, this concludes another episode of the Urban Shooter Podcast. Thanks for listening, downloading, and subscribing. If you need to reach me, call 888-675-0202 or email me at blackmanwithagun at gmail.com. Please leave me a review on iTunes, a thumbs up on Stitcher.com. The show notes can be found at blackmanwithagun.com. I'll stick with you, baby, for a thousand years. Nothing's gonna touch you in this golden year. Shalom, baby.